0: hello there and welcome to the time machine with trish and mike i'm mike and i'm trish and we're glad you're with us once again this week for another fun educational informational and hopefully entertaining episode
1: it's going to be fantastical
0: i like that fantastical
1: it seemed like it went it went with the alliteration a bit i
0: like it we're we're infotaining you when did the term
1: when did infotainment become a thing it was like in the 90s wasn't it I
0: think it became a thing. I still don't know if there was a word for it then.
1: Because I feel
0: like a lot of the stuff on like the Discovery Channel or the History Channel fits into this category. Mm -hmm. You know, because you're entertaining me because I'm watching a show, even if it's documentary. I mean, you may not be like laughing about what you're watching, but it's a show. So there's production value being done to this, but you're also learning. So it's, I don't know. Maybe I'm just.
1: Right. No, I think you're right. And I know they, they also use the term for any type of, like, uh, educational like game, right? Or advertisement
0: type I situation.
1: Mean,
0: isn't Jeopardy a form of infotainment? Really?
1: I bet I would fall into that classification now. I, I mean, was just it's, watching it's Jeopardy a, the other night.
0: It's a game show, but it's yeah. you're being entertained and you're learning.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was funny. So, my daughter was watching with me and she's like, I don't like this host. I was like, I know. Oh, it was. Uh, it was like the Aaron first Rogers. one we watched. Yeah, I was like, yeah, it's not. It's not. Yeah. It's not the same. I miss uh, Alex Trebek.
0: Our our dear friend Andy that listens. He's a big Green Bay Packer fan. He's probably not going to like me saying this, but Aaron Rodgers is not a very good host for Jeopardy.
1: No, <laughs> like just, I've it's...
0: I've made it a point to watch at least a couple of all the different people that they've had, and mm-hmm. he is really not. Maybe it would take him a while, and he could find his thing but he's not very excited he's more exciting in the state farm commercials that he does then that's he, what i f- yeah
1: like i, I wonder, was expecting trying that. to be stoic is he trying to be stately like it just doesn't come so across it's
0: just not clicking for me Mm-mm.
1: it's Mm-mm. a no for I me agree. dog it's a no for me <laughs> yeah
0: but what isn't well i guess in a sense is a no is uh <laughs> <laughs> our, our top story this week was a no-go well it was it, a no
1: no-go do it, not it, pass go do not collect $200
0: it was a go for a, for a few days but boy when it became a no-go it yeah. went nowhere fast well except to the bottom howdy. of the ocean
1: yeah Yikes. it went pretty fast to the bottom of the ocean and we are talking about the sinking of the RMS Titanic off the coast of Newfoundland April 15th 1915, a mere five days after leaving on its maiden voyage from Southampton, England, on its way to New York City. So it was definitely going quickly, right? It was trying to break some uh, uh, cross-Atlantic records in order to beat its rivals. So uh, during the the early 1900s transatlantic passenger trade was really competitive and really profitable. And we have two main companies. We have White Star and Cunard. And uh, by the summer of 1907, Cunard was posed to have a great share in the market with these two new ships, the Lusitania and then the Mauritania, which were going to eventually set some speed records across the Atlantic Ocean. So the White Star line is trying to bolster themselves against this competitor. And they come up with three ships that they're going to build, the Olympic, the Titanic, and the Britannic. So we, all, of course, all know the tragic story of the Titanic. Uh, you know, it's been made into various movies and musicals and referenced on lots of different television shows and alluded in lots of different literary, uh, literary books and magazines and all kinds of things, right? It's captured our attention. I think because it was just so ornate and didn't last for very long. It was just the five days at sea. So it captured our attention.
0: It makes you wonder if it, let's say, you know, that it hit the iceberg on its, I don't know, 10th journey or something like if it had been used a couple of years later, would it Mm -hmm. have that lasting, impact because here we are impacts probably not a good word but (laughs) because here we are almost 110 years later Mm -hmm. and this is still a thing
1: yes yeah well and it's also i think the mystery of it all because they wondered why didn't they see the iceberg and with these watertight compartments because the titanic had a bunch of different watertight compartments or theoretically watertight they weren't actually because the bulkheads didn't go up to the, the total top of the roof, but they were built in such a way that if four of the compartments flooded, the ship theoretically could have was stayed. was fine. Afloat. Right. Now, of course, we had five compartments that started to flood. And they've done a whole bunch of different documentaries on if the ship had not like once they once they saw the iceberg, which was already. like how did they miss it well it was a calm night there's no uh, waves hitting the iceberg so there's no froth on the iceberg so the lookouts couldn't really see it the binoculars from the crow's nest were mysteriously gone so these guys finally see it just a bit too late and the captains uh, decide to of course change course so that the ship tries to slide past the icebergs which basically opened it up like a giant tin can yeah now they, they wondered if they had slowed down the speed and hit it head on, what would have happened? And they think now it would have actually stayed afloat if they had not turned and had cut across the belly of the ship.
0: Yeah, that was probably the mistake. And I don't mm-hmm. want to call it a mistake because you're you obviously you're trying to avoid hitting it, period. So I get the natural reaction to it. But in hindsight, I think that probably would be more likely not to have caused as much mm-hmm. damage to have just hit it straight on because you know, remember this thing is out in the middle of the ocean there's no lighthouse there's you literally you're in the middle of darkness All the only light you have is mm-hmm. from the moon
1: well and they don't have uh like radars not
0: right the, invented especially happen. not
1: used in the middle of the ocean anyway yeah. you like more um What is it? The telegraph is just the first invention. So they're able to send messages across the Atlantic via the telegraph. But of course, everyone is excited and sending messages to their family. And some key messages don't get through to the captain about all the icebergs and the the layout of the land, so to speak.
0: And as we just recently saw a prime example of this with the Suez Canal, when Mm -hmm. the the ship was blocked, you can't turn a ship on a dime, a big ship like this. This is not like you know, a little ski boat or something that, or a pontoon boat or something that maybe somebody has been on. I mean, you can kind of turn those a lot tighter like a car, but think of it like a semi versus a car. You can't turn quickly. Mm -mm. You can't turn tight moves. And by the time you saw that iceberg coming.
1: Yeah. And like you said, it's going to be human instinct to avoid it at all costs. So they, they make that decision to, to turn away from it and hindsight being what it is. We now know if they had just hit it, slowed down in reverse engines and just kind of tapped it. They would have been a lot better off, but that's what ends up happening. And I think to the other reason about why it captures our attention. So first of all, it's brand spanking new, it's beautiful. Right. And it was a ship that although we kind of, by our standards, we looked down on the, the, we had the first class, second class, and third class. We looked down on the third class and, and say, like, how could these people have been treated like that? But third class on the Titanic was actually better than a lot of second classes on other ships. So it's this luxury liner, and we have tons and tons of very famous, important, wealthy people on board. We have American businessman uh, Benjamin Guggenheim. We have British journalist William Thomas Steed. We have Macy Department Store co-owner Isidore Strauss and his wife Ida. In addition, we have Ismay and Andrews, who were the uh, designers and engineers of Titanic. So you just have all these, uh, what is it, Uh, Molly Brown's on there. So all these really famous, wealthy, powerful people that are now involved in this tragedy.
0: Yeah, and then you had Rose and jack
1: rose and jack which ties us actually into halifax it's funny uh well not really i guess it's it's funny to a degree there is a uh jay dawson grave in the halifax titanic grave site and when tourists come to halifax to go to the the titanic museum and uh, go to the graveyard a whole bunch of tourists actually (laughs) think that that's like jack from the movie and they're like no he wasn't a real person
0: yeah and there are some people in the movie that were historical characters that were actually Mm -hmm. on the ship so you know what you see in the movie is a a mix of fictional and historical characters
1: yes Mm -hmm. and i mean the the movie itself i i mean i was super excited when the movie came out because i was a big titanic fiend as a child right like you wanted to learn everything and read everything and then the movie came out and it was just like i get i don't know i was in i think i was in grade 10 or 11
0: I remember we discussed this when it crossed like the billion dollar mark a couple of months ago on the show. Yeah. Um, And you saw it, I think three times.
1: No, I saw it twice, twice, thankfully. Okay. But, and I think I've seen it like, you know, bits and pieces of it when I'm at home, if it's on or whatever, but I just didn't like the love story. I mean, I know you need to have a catalyst to kind of get the story going, but yeah, I don't know. I always hate it when just love stories are randomly like thrown into movies. You're like, really? And I think thirdly, too, is just the amount of lives that were lost. That's what also makes the mystery so great is yeah, could more people have been saved? And yes, we, we know that the lifeboats, like the lifeboats were able to carry 60, 70 people and they were being launched with like 26 people. So in the end, we have uh, 705 people would be rescued in lifeboats. We would have a total of uh, 1,500 people perish. Or more than, I should say, they, they've rounded that to that we number. We don't really have an exact count,
0: probably. Yeah, that there's
1: there's 700 fatalities from the crew. The third class, third class suffered the greatest loss of approximately 710, with only about 174 people from third class being rescued. And the Titanic sank two hours, 40 minutes, which was really unfortunate because one of the closest ships was over, just over three hours away. So, There were people in the water for much longer in in the frigid cold off of Newfoundland. And no one's going to see the Titanic again until September 1st, 1985, 75 years after it sank to the bottom of the ocean, Robert Ballard is going to discover it, which he was actually looking for another ship. I believe he was looking for the American government for a submarine wreck. And he said, I will help you if on my downtime, I can look for the Titanic. And they came to an agreement and it worked out.
0: Can we get him to go to South Carolina and go look for that Confederate ship that had oh, all the gold in it? he'll
1: find all the golds. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: I wonder what Robert hand.
1: Ballard's up to anyway. I Watching him on the Discovery Channel is such a treat. Like he's a really just uh, like charismatic and you can tell you he loves what he does. Just really interesting person.
0: Wouldn't you kind of think that Bill Paxton's character from Titanic is kind of inspired by him?
1: Yes. Oh, because yeah. Absolutely. That's
0: his whole thing. as he's mm-hmm. exploring the wreckage.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, if he could find the what was the necklace called now in the
0: the heart of the, the ocean.
1: Heart of the ocean. If he could find that, he can find gold.
0: And she had it the whole time.
1: She had it the whole time.
0: And then she just threw it in the ocean. Spoiler, spoiler alert spoiler for anyone alert.
1: who hasn't seen it. Like, when did Titanic even come out?
0: 1997. Oh God, have, I was
1: even younger than grade 10. I was in you, grade seven.
0: It's been 25 years. If you haven't seen this movie yet, and I've just spoiled the ending for you. A, I mm. apologize, but B, let's be honest. If you haven't seen it in 25 years.
1: Yeah. I remember my first year teaching. So I'm now 10 years teaching. My first year teaching when the anniversary of the Titanic came up and I, I brought it up in class as a social studies teacher. My kids looked at me and they said, wait, it wasn't just a movie. I'm like, no, it's not just a movie. It was like a real historical event, children. This was, you know, one of the first times I started shaking my head while teaching, but. (laughs) God bless you. (laughs) (laughs) I love middle school. There's always something, but oh, that moment, it was like soul crushing.
0: Middle school kids are like my least favorite group of kids to work with.
1: Oh, I love them. They're so, they can drive you crazy, but they're so funny.
0: No, they think that, you know. They're on top of the world, and the you know it's like okay, kid. No, no, no. Let me. Le, you you need to be taken down a couple pegs, my friend. But that's
1: like, mm-hmm. but that's where you get to have fun with them, right? And you can and be, you get like, to
0: crush fantastic. their souls.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. the best part. Well, that,
0: that part I like, but yeah, you know. they're
1: learning their humor, and you can be like more sassy with them. Like elementary kids, you'll just make them cry. So right. you can't do that.
0: See, <laughs> now I like high school kids because they're old enough to get humor, and you know mm-hmm. you can. But it's like middle school kids. It's like no, just shut up.
1: I have enjoyed I have enjoyed my high school kids, but junior high is where I've have spent the majority of my career.
0: Now, like elementary school kids, it's a mixed bag because I like kindergartners and first grade and second grade because they kind of are. They're kind of starting to grow up and they're kind of like you don't One, have to... every.
1: They're they're excited about everything. Like yes. they're so happy to learn things. But
0: then you get to these third and fourth grader little hellions that you just want to you know like get away from me and leave me alone for a few years and then fifth grade they kind of get they kind of all right they kind of grow out of that a little bit you know and And then then,
1: eighth grade they're just the armpit of society for a little bit and then they they regain their brains Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and yet none of these kids probably could read a road atlas we have so much
1: technology now right like why why do i have to teach them that like if
0: (laughs) if you were to ask your kids what rand mcnally does they would have no idea oh
1: they would have no clue no then so they should educate. Listen.
0: they should educate. listen to this show <laughs> and on april 15th 1924 rand mcnally published their first road atlas
1: see that must have just blown people's minds be like all oh, right we now we have these images of where we're going and what, what's on the way.
0: So here's where this really gets kind of interesting. So uh, in 1856, William Rand opened a printing shop in Chicago. And a couple of years later, he hired a Irish immigrant who had just arrived in America named Andrew McNally to work in his shop. Mm. And so their big gig at the time was printing what would go on to become the Chicago Tribune. And a few years later, when the Chicago Tribune started, they took over their entire printing operation. So they were printing newspapers, but they were also printing tickets and timetables for the railroads. So they would create a map and they began kind of you know publishing educational maps and globes and would go on to make, you know, the road atlas, the photo guides that kind <laughs> of show you pictures of where you're at. And in fact, Andrew McNally II actually took photos on his honeymoon from Chicago till Milwaukee that were published in the Road Can Atlas. Can you
1: imagine his like now new wife is like, really, you're <laughs> taking work on our honeymoon?
0: Right. So for 100 years, people have been working on their honeymoons <laughs> and vacations, you know. So <laughs> What's interesting is so they were the first major map publisher. Mm-hmm. to embrace the numbered highway system because now remember at the time we don't really have the interstate highway system that we here in America have like you hear you mm-hmm. know you know I75 I you know 285 whatever like these aren't things yet
1: yeah it's not like a standardized system
0: because they wouldn't come until yeah. after after world war 2 mm-hmm. but you would have numbered roads so like you know here in Florida you have state road 50 that runs pretty much, you know, from, you know, the east part of f- central Florida, out west, and then you've got US-1 that runs up and down the east coast, takes that can take you all the way down to the Keys. So you have state highway numbers. Mm-hmm. So Rand McNally was one of the first people to embrace this numbered highway system. And in addition to creating maps, they also erected a lot of the highway signs on the road.
1: Oh, that's very so helpful. So people
0: could use their maps to help guide them along. And the oil industry picked up on this and they took great interest in this because obviously if people are out driving and exploring, they're using gas.
1: Right, and they need to know where the next gas station is. And they is. need to know where the next
0: gas station is. So Rand McNally began publishing maps for the Gulf Oil Company and that they would be distributed for free to at service stations.
1: And it's so like a travelers, match made in heaven. Yeah.
0: And so it's kind of uh cracker barrel do they have cracker barrel in canada
1: know what they don't well at least not where i'm at but they would have crackle cracker barrel um pop-up shops in the malls so you could go and buy like at christmas time okay could get like crackle barrel cracker I, why can't i say this <laughs> word today you could go and get cracker barrel <laughs> like peanut mixtures or like cheese and Just you could buy them as like a set, like a package of stuff.
0: Okay, so you're familiar. Give them as a gift. Yeah. So so if we have any other Canadians listening who maybe don't know what Cracker Barrel is. So it's basically like a, it's a general store slash restaurant. So it's primarily Mm -hmm. they sell like kind of Southern home style food menu.
1: Yeah, like we don't have access to the food part, but like the the general mills part.
0: Yeah. And then so in the front, they have like in front of the restaurant, they have like uh, rocking chairs out on the porch and like they have a giant checkerboard with you know checkers like the size of a cd that you could play outside while you're waiting for your table and there's a store with you know it has like old retro candy or uh, just like homeware stuff hmm. uh, like you know so, like fancy... way more
1: than just like the nut mixtures that i'm
0: oh yeah yeah like it's like you could get you know like a christmas ornaments and there's all sorts of stuff and it changes seasonally and uh you go when you go sit down at your table to eat they have like a little little peg game like you know the Mm -hmm. little little triangle where there's a peg missing and you gotta oh yeah yeah
1: yeah.
0: they have those at the tables for you to play yeah um anyway so they set up their restaurants along the u.s highway system as the highway the interstates became a thing and so in the gift shop that they have, they actually have Cracker Barrel maps that you can get.
1: Oh, to find all the Cracker Barrel locations? find all the Cracker Barrels
0: along your route, yeah. And, like, they're very um, hospitable to, like, RV and campers. Like, you can stay at them overnight, usually, in most locations. So, it's very convenient if you're on a road trip.
1: I'm just trying to find if there's any near me. Everything that pops up, though, is that uh, there's, like, one in Maine, like, that's close to Atlanta, Canada.
0: Yeah that, that's probably going to be the closest one I would think to Canada would be
1: it says Belleville Belleville or, Ontario
0: Yeah but that's still that's other side of the country That's then, not close know. to me no. yeah
1: Oh no it's Belleville uh it's MI is Maine right
0: MI is Michigan, Michigan. Uh, ME is Maine
1: Okay so yeah Michigan I guess closest to Canada. So nothing that I'm I'm doing a quick Google. Nothing's popping up on in Canada.
0: It, it's not gonna That's come up on your it, it's not gonna come up on Uber Eats for you tonight. We don't I have don't think.
1: wait, do we have
0: or do you have DoorDash? What do you have in Canada?
1: So we've skip the dishes. I've we don't used, have that here. I think we have Uber Eats. I've only ever used skip the dishes. It's like my go to.
0: We have Uber Eats, we have DoorDash, we have Postmates, uh Grubhub.
1: See, these are all different from I think from there's I another one to. and the
0: thing is like some restaurants work with only one partner some work right. with two and then you know it's like it just really kind of depends on
1: on what the restaurant wants to go with
0: yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's interesting hmm. speaking of restaurants well I guess we technically we're just speaking of restaurants but that takes us to McDonald's
1: Ooh, and on... nuggies
0: yes get you some nuggies. <laughs> And on April 15th, 1955, McDonald's opened its first franchise.
1: Now, this is interesting. Our three stories have all been April 15th.
0: That is true.
1: It's a very, uh, well, I guess I was going to say it's a very fruicious day, but no, no, it's not.
0: It was interesting as we were going through finding things to talk about that a lot of them did wind up being on April 15th. Because I think <laughs> my my next story, okay, my next story is actually April 19th, so i was gonna say i thought for a minute there all of them might have been the 15th all of them might
1: have been the 15th
0: so mcdonald's in and of itself is an interesting story how it came to be so originally the mcdonald's family moved from manchester new hampshire to hollywood california where richard and maurice mcdonald a pair of brothers were working on motion picture lots and their Mm -hmm. father opened the airdrome which was a food stand near the airport in monrovia california and hot dogs were one of the first things on the menu hamburgers were later added at a cost of 10 cents Ooh. definitely costs more than that for one now <laughs> so about three years later the brothers moved the building to san bernardino where they renamed it mcdonald's barbecue and they mostly served barbecue
1: That's. Can you imagine if they had continued down that vein? I
0: kind of think if that's where the McRib sort of came from, like if that's kind Uh, of a like an homage. Yeah. Well, I even
1: think like there's no hot dogs at McDonald's anymore, at least not in Canada.
0: Yeah, we don't do. I
1: I miss the pizza for McDonald's.
0: We're getting to McDonald's and pizza later in this story.
1: Ooh, do continue.
0: They realized after a few years, most of their profits were coming from burger sales. So Mm -hmm. that was when they simplified their menu and came up with a speedy service system. And they simplified things. They just sold burgers, potato chips, coffee, soft drinks, and apple pie. And then they eventually swapped out the chips for fries and they added Mm -hmm. milkshakes as well. So that's where Roy Kroc comes in, because that's the other name you always hear in McDonald's history. So in 1954, Ray Kroc sold milkshake machines, and he learned of these McDonald's brothers that were using eight of them. So he was like, I want to go to California and see what's going on. So he does, and he sees this as a bigger scale. Like he's thinking this can really take off and be be a thing, because they did have a few locations. So. He suggested they start franchising around the country, and the brothers were kind of hesitant. They're like, you know, we we don't don't really know. Well, that's this like a lot of work.
1: responsibility. It is, yeah. And
0: so he offered to take the major responsibility for setting up new franchises around the country. So he went back to Chicago with the rights to set up McDonald's throughout the country, except for there were a handful of areas in California and Arizona that had already been licensed by the McDonald's brothers to other people. Well, this kind of hits a roadblock because he discovered that they had licensed the franchise rights for Cook County, which is where Chicago is in Illinois, to another person. And so he was not very happy about this, that they didn't inform him of this. And so Uh he purchased the rights from the Fraselac ice cream company for $25,000, which is the equivalent of like $230,000 today. Mm -hmm. But he got the rights so he could open up McDonald's in Chicago. So they credit Roy Kroc as being the first franchisee on April, and his first location opened on April 15th, 1955, which is what gets us our story for today. To this date, McDonald's is found in more than 120 countries and territories around the world, serving 68 million customers a day. And as of 2018, this was the most recent numbers I could find, McDonald's is the world's second largest private employer. Oh, who With, would be the first one? I'll get Do there in a second. Yeah, oh. woke. Well, yeah. <laughs> 1.7 million people work for McDonald's. Now, that includes at the corporate level and at like the franchise level, mm. so like right. basically, because like the you're... whole company
1: across the whole levels of right. the company, yeah.
0: Uh, Walmart, two point three million. Really? Hmm.
1: Huh. Yeah.
0: So, where does pizza come into this? So, in uh, nineteen ninety nine, McDonald's purchased Donatos Pizza.
1: In 99? hmm Why do I feel like the pizza was earlier, though?
0: Because they had experimented off and on with pizza. And in fact, at the world's largest McDonald's in Orlando, Florida, you can still get pizza on the menu.
1: I wonder, though, like, is it the memory of the pizza that is going to taste so good? Or, like, was the pizza from McDonald's actually that good?
0: That you know what I, I mean? I don't know. <laughs> and with it being in Canada, was it a different pizza altogether? Right, altogether. Could be. No Hmm. idea. So in 1999, they purchased Donato's Pizza because McDonald's was looking to possibly expand more nationally into the pizza business. So as a result of this story, we had Donato's here years ago, like 15, 20 years ago. We had Donato's Pizza. Okay. As a result of this story, I did a little bit of Googling to see if, by happenstance, if there was still one anywhere around here. And sure enough... About seven months ago, one opened up probably about 30 minutes from me.
1: See, and I've never heard of this pizza place.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't think in my quick search, I couldn't find anything where they'd ever been in mm-hmm. Canada. So this past weekend, for the first time in 15 years, I had Donato's pizza.
1: <sighs> and how was it?
0: It was just as good as I remember <laughs> <it
1: being. laughs> That's fantastic. I
0: legit have not had this in about 15 years. I, the last time I had it, my mom, I was in the hospital and my mom brought it to me. <laughs> because it was like not too far like, away from the hospital, so
1: no hospital food for you.
0: No, <laughs> I was I was eating good that day, but they eventually sold it back off to the original owners a few years later because they said eh, we don't mm. we don't want to just we're gonna stick to what we do best here. Yeah. So Trish, mm-hmm. here's where the McDonald's business plan really gets interesting because you think they make all this money from Big Macs.
1: You would think so. Yes, because, nope. I mean, that's what they all advertise.
0: 35% of its gross revenue doesn't even come from food.
1: Doesn't even come from food?
0: Nope, or merchandise.
1: Where, where are they making their money then?
0: Real estate.
1: Oh, that makes sense. In
0: 1956, so not long after he started expanding, Ray Kroc met Harry Sonnenburn who was the former VP of finance for Tasty Freeze. Okay. And he pitched a brilliant real estate idea. So remember, mid-50s, the highway system's expanding.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You can go out and get a lot of cheap land. Okay. So what they did was they set up franchise realty corp. And this entity holds all McDonald's real estate. So they went out and bought cheap property along highways and interstates and everything. Knowing that
1: people are going to be gobbling up that land for motels and gas stations. Exactly.
0: So McDonald's owns the land and then they pass on the cost to the franchisees for 20-30% markup. And so McDonald's owns the land. You pay to build a building here, we'll franchise the rights to the McDonald's name for you. And of course, you've got to go through our vendors to get the food and everything and everything. And you've got to put, you know, initial investment up and, you know, to build the building, put in the booths, put in the grills, so on and so forth. But McDonald's owns the land.
1: That's actually ingenious.
0: Yeah, kind of smart. (laughs)
1: What's and your favorite it, thing to get from McDonald's, by the way?
0: It's still in effect today. They still operate on that business model. Oh. In fact, I can, okay, so little bit of real life. So I work for a real estate company and one of the shopping centers we own, we actually do have a McDonald's in. Mm-hmm. And if you go to the property appraiser site, you can, you'll see we own the shopping center and then there's this parcel here on the corner. and That it's is owned, owned by McDonald's. By McDonald's, yep.
1: Huh. Fascinating, yeah, super uh, my, smart.
0: My favorite thing at McDonald's, it really depends on what kind of mood I'm in.
1: Well, because um, you guys get different things than we get here. Yeah. So, like I, mean, like, I know there's like new chicken McNugget flavors and things.
0: Yeah, they recently came out with like spicy nuggets. I don't. Spicy, I'm not a big yeah. spicy guy, so I st- I get either the regular nuggets or I'll get um, sometimes I'll just get you know a couple hamburgers, you know, real basic. Mm uh sometimes i'll get a quarter pounder
1: see and i missed um, the big extra did they have that in the united states
0: what was the big extra we might have had it was it. They like, may have just it was like it, a, it
1: was like a single patty but it had like a special seasoning to it hmm. i just really i remember getting it a lot in junior high
0: doesn't sound familiar but we could have had it and we may have just called it something else because yeah, like our mcchicken is not the same mcchicken for you
1: no i don't think so
0: i think you we have do have a the,
1: mcchicken though
0: Right, but I think don't you have like a junior McChicken or something?
1: Well, because you can have the it grilled or deep fried.
0: No, so I'm we sure what they call. It.
1: I never order the chicken, so I have no idea.
0: <laughs> so we here have what's called a McChicken, and it's basically like a regular hamburger-sized chicken patty on okay. a regular hamburger bun. So not like the bigger chicken sandwich that you would normally have on the menu if that right. makes sense, sense. but I, I think what we call a mcchicken you call like a junior mcchicken or chicken. something or a well, chicken I junior apparently, i don't know Oh, a
1: chicken junior i think the the big extra in canada i guess was called a big and tasty
0: yeah okay i remember that that being okay. a thing i yeah. don't think i ever had I miss it that but, one. and of course the fries
1: yeah fries are good fries are good i mean i like a big mac but the nugs are where it's at what's
0: your what's your sauce sweet and sour mm, hands barbecue.
1: down no hands down sweet and sour
0: barbecue <laughs> that's where it's at actually i had mcdonald's last night and they didn't put my sauce in the bag
1: oh i hate that that's so awful yeah but see and i don't you, like but I my got girls, extra so you nuggets think i'd have it more why well, you got extra nuggets yeah the,
0: i'm going through the bag and i had ordered um I ordered a six piece. And then at the bottom of the bag, I, like I was getting food for me and my mom.
1: Yeah.
0: And at the bottom of the bag, there was a 10 piece in there as well.
1: <gasps> Magic. <laughs> I like how I stopped like mid, <laughs> mid story. Like what? <laughs> Tell me about these extra, extra nuggets.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, with my girls, we don't go that often. We did it over spring break, but now I just want nugs. Okay.
0: We you know what you're having for dinner tonight? Maybe. And you it, should it in honor of the happen. anniversary.
1: I should. I think this is a good idea. Yep. I like it. Know what else I like? Canada. (laughs) I do like Canada a lot. And I like the fact that on April 17th, 1982, Canada officially, like, becomes its own entity, no longer under British control. Queen Elizabeth II and Prime Minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau, so our current Prime Minister's father, signed what is known as the Proclamation of the Constitution Act in a ceremony on Parliament Hill in Canada, and Canada then gets full political independence from the United Kingdom uh, with our new constitution. And this was a big deal for um, Prime Minister Trudeau's father, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, his big baby was the canadian charter of rights and freedoms which guarantees fundamental rights and freedoms for all canadians and there are certain rights that are just for canadian citizens but there's fundamental rights for for visitors as well or you know if you're a landed immigrant or or anything like that waiting to get citizenship you also get these rights so i do love that i know a lot of people internationally look to the the charter of rights and freedoms when developing kind of their own rights and freedoms i don't know what in america what is your well like we have law?
0: well we have the declaration oh. of independence okay so that was when we declared our independence from britain
1: right but does it st- like the charter of rights and freedoms which is now included into that new constitution
0: are you thinking the bill of rights probably
1: probably that's that, that's, like, that would
0: probably be our comparable uh comparable yeah let me Compare that to a properly spoken <laughs> word. That would probably what's comparable.
1: Comparable. To, there we
0: go. <laughs> I need some nuggets. I need, need some, some nuggets. We need
1: some brain food. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, like so in the Bill of Rights, that's gonna guarantee like, like the right of rights. liberty and yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Cause ours is broken into there's seven categories. So there's fundamental freedoms democratic rights, mobility rights, legal rights, equality rights, official language rights, and then minority language educational rights. And they're all very significant and important in their own way.
0: It's interesting to me that you got your freedom, for lack Mm -hmm. of a better word, from the Queen as late as you did.
1: Yeah. And that we're, you know, and we're still technically part of the Commonwealth and our laws still do not become laws without the Queen's permission, (laughs) but... yeah otherwise we're totally free and independent <laughs> it's like the
0: it's, it's like the kid that moves off to college but you're still using mommy and daddy's bank account or something yeah. <laughs> it's kind like of. it's like you can kind of do what you want to but i can always say no
1: <laughs> right yeah i mean it's very rare but they they could yeah our, and and i guess it's not even the queen it's our governor general who is Appointed on behalf of the queen. And right now we actually don't have a governor general because I believe we talked about this before in the show. Um, she resigned because of a toxic work environment. She was an absolute bully apparently for her employees. And we now have our, the justice of the courts is doing both jobs. He's, he's
0: he's serving as the interim governor general.
1: Yeah, he's serving as the interim and really he shouldn't, it's a it, like, these are two very important roles that should be separate and, in charge by different people um but you know with covid and everything it's just kind of been put on the back burner while the prime minister deals with vaccination rolls out rollouts and all that fun economical stuff tied to covid
0: which for our american friends it's getting better up there for you vaccines are starting to get more yeah
1: vaccines are starting to roll out it just our our government made some there were some poor decisions in terms of uh the people that are producing the vaccine. Cause we don't actually have any facilities in Canada to produce our own vaccines right now, which has been an ongoing issue for lots of people.
0: You've been relying on it being yeah. made in other countries. Yeah.
1: Yeah. For a long time. There's like my former father-in-law it used to be a part of cord, which is the Canadian organization of rare diseases. And that was like a big push by that organization was like, yo, we have people that need certain medications. We shouldn't be relying on facilities outside of Canada. So hopefully after COVID,
0: this wakes people up. Yeah, yeah.
1: To the to the realization of that we need our own facilities here in the country. But
0: yeah, so starting Monday, President Biden here has said that he wants the vaccine to be available for anybody 18 and up. Now, a lot of states are already at that point. I don't yeah, know off the top phenomenal. of my head uh, it, what states aren't there yet. I think like mm-hmm. I think South Dakota was one, and I think Hawaii might have been another one. There may be a couple others that are still not quite there, but they're going to be here in a few days so
1: mm-hmm. which and then we'll start to see kids i mean i know uh, pfizer was doing their testing on kids f- uh 15 to 18 or
0: 15 yeah uh, to 12 i guess 12 or to 12 15. yeah because here you can get it pfizer uh if you're 16 and up
1: oh it's 16 and up okay
0: mm-hmm. like i okay so i got my first dose last tuesday which by the way, I felt fine. Like my arm bothered me just a little bit that mm-hmm. night, but nothing more than if you had been doing something that day with your arm and it was just kind of naturally sore. Uh, other than that, I was fine. And I got the Pfizer. So,
1: yeah. So well, that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. it's it's happening. We've talked about it before
0: because it just opened 810 and up here in Florida last mm-hmm. Monday. So I was able to get an appointment. For Tuesday,
1: no medical conditions, right? Just if you're 18 yep. and up, straight whatever. up. Yeah, you yeah. don't
0: need a doctor's note or anything. If you're 18 and up, you can go anywhere and get it.
1: See, in Alberta, was... they've opened it up to younger people, like 18 and up, but you have to have certain medical conditions to meet that requirement. Hmm. So, but getting there, I'm yep. really hopeful seeing how the numbers have dropped in your country as quickly as they have, that showing that it's effective.
0: Yeah. And it was very encouraging i saw a lot of friends getting over these last couple of weeks they've been getting their shots since it's now available you know to our age group mm-hmm.
1: yeah so. i can't wait to get a t-shirt i haven't decided which what style of t-shirt i'm going to go with yet
0: oh yeah i remember you had you sent some <laughs> of these to me
1: well uh, now there's there's people that are talking about um they're they're talking about the different vaccination companies like Hogwarts houses or like Game of Thrones houses.
0: <laughs> I believe, so it's like, that. you
1: know, House Pfizer. <laughs> I
0: saw somebody a friend of mine had on their story. Uh, Choose your team. And it had the Johnson and Johnson Pfizer and Moderna mm-hmm. and it had them split into um, Pokemon.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like the pokemon go uh training trainers
0: yeah uh, yeah yeah the gyms yeah that's gyms. what i was trying to think of so you had like a whatever the, the red the yellow and the blue i'd mm-hmm.
1: that's not, and, I, pl- and everyone's I played just the like
0: crap out of the game for like a month but i didn't know anything about pokemon but and everyone just forgets it.
1: about astravenica but yes. i don't even
0: know if that one's here
1: it's not at least in it's... alberta they're not offering it to anyone under 55 like i don't even know if it's
0: available in the states because i don't know of anyone well, that's got I it i think
1: it is because biden sent a bunch of it to canada <laughs> he's like maybe here's some free medicine. to you yeah. maybe
0: that's why it's like hey we've got enough with these others here have this fourth one thanks we put maple syrup in it for you
1: Ooh, that was you know that would be nice you can then get it-
0: a free krispy cream donut every day for the rest of the year here
1: with your vaccination with card? your
0: vaccination card yep. every day every day
1: wow so when I go to the States, when I have my vaccine, I can go to Krispy Kreme and get my free donut. Yep. Sweet. We'll see if that happens in 2021. Make it happen. Maybe.
0: Maybe the Red Baron can fly you here.
1: Well, I was going to say, I mean, on April 21, 1918, it was not a good day for the, the Red Baron because the notorious German a- flying ace was killed by Ally Fire. So... I don't know if i trust him to fly me anywhere.
0: They make a good pizza.
1: Is Red Baron a pizza place?
0: It's a, like a frozen pizza here.
1: Do I know that? I don't know I don't if know. I know. Apparently I not. Mean, I mean, I guess apparently I don't apparently know. Apparently
0: not because you looked at me <laughs> weird when I said it. But yeah. Red <laughs> Baron frozen pizza is totally a, a brand here.
1: Oh, now I'm going to go watch. I'll watch. I'll go to the grocery store and it'll be like everywhere. And I'll just be. I've been. How did I never see
0: it. this? Yeah. How did
1: I never see this? So. The red baron as we know him by the nickname wasn't actually his real name so he is a uh, baron manfred von rothenfren who is the son of a prussian nobleman and he switched from the german army to the imperial air service in 1915 and by 1916 he's terrorizing skies over the western front in what was known as an albatross biplane downing 15 enemy planes by the end of the year which if you think about World War One and fighting in the skies that is happening with these different planes is actually pretty impressive because these planes are not like the fighter jets that we're thinking of nowadays. And in 1917, he's going to surpass all flying ace records on both sides, the western end and the eastern front. And he's going to start using a Fokker triplane, which is painted entirely red in tribute to his old cavalry regiment. So when he switched from the army into the air service, he paints his plane the color red after the cavalry service that he used to be a member of. And that's where he gets his name, even though he was only using that plane for the last eight months of his career. It's the one that everyone thinks about and um, is pictured. And like I said, where the the Red Baron Nickname came from. Now, on April 21st, 1918, with 80 victories under his belt, he's going to lead his uh, squadron of triplanes deep into Allied territory in France. He's looking for a British observation aircraft, and the flight drew the attention of an Allied squadron that's going to be led by uh, the Canadian Royal Air Force pilot, Captain Arthur Roy Brown. And as the Red Baron pursues a plane in Brown's uh, group, then the uh, Red Baron is venturing too far. He starts chasing this plane and he ventures too far into enemy territory and he's too low to the ground. And at the beginning, uh, when he is shot down, it's actually attributed to the Canadian squadron that takes him down. But now there's been a whole bunch of documented evidence and they did like reverse forensics by looking at the aircraft and pictures of the aircraft and things like that. And they no longer think that it was Canadian Brown that took him down they actually think it was an australian gunner who was on the ground so people are still up for debate because of course everyone wants to be known as the one who took down the
0: red baron Baron. right
1: yeah but no it, it was most likely an australian gunner on the ground that shoots him and then the plane crashes and that's the end of the red baron
0: so as you were telling that story i've been trying to find and see if it's available there, and I can't. Like I see Doctor, Octor. Oh
1: yeah. Um, um oh, I
0: see that? Delicio.
1: Yeah, Delicio, Delicio. Uh,
0: I see McCain Classic Pizza, Pillsbury so maybe I'm Pizza not crazy. Pops. So it may not be. I I don't know, but um, but it's good. It's it's one of my go-tos when I want to do. When you're at the, hmm.
1: see, I was just going with McCain. Yeah, I've never had that. McCain's pretty much like a classic from childhood.
0: Tombstone's okay. Do they have Tombstone?
1: No, No. I've never heard of this.
0: It's made by uh,
1: Kraft. Again, maybe I'm just the oblivious. Well, no, (laughs) I I was
0: just on kind of a uh, like a general Canada pizza thing and I didn't see it, so but I saw some hmm. of those other
1: brands for you. Other brands are good. I mean, Frozen Pizza's not my go-to at the best of times. No, I I would much rather
0: get either make my own or, or just get Papa John's or
1: Pizza Hut or Yeah, or see, I like Papa John's. We get a lot of... Um, I don't know if you have Pizza 73. Probably not. I think nope. it's an Alberta thing. Mm-mm. But they have like a really good this. two-for-one deal. Yeah, I feel like this has happened. I don't know if it, it
0: may have been off the, off the air. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Now,
1: we're, we tend to go about food. It's like we, I still haven't gone to some of these chicken places that we've talked about Well, before.
0: to be fair, we usually are recording this show kind of in between lunch and dinner time. It's so true. It's that, true. that time of day where you really start getting hungry.
1: You're like, like oh, I could go for something.
0: Yeah. So anyway, hmm. when I think of the Red Baron, I think of Snoopy.
1: Right. Yeah. Because of all those, the little snips and Charlie Brown, which yeah. is on his doghouse.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that takes us to our next story. It doesn't involve Snoopy, but it involves cartoons. And who doesn't love cartoons? And on April 19th, 1987, the Simpsons made their first appearance on television.
1: Just crazy that they're still in the air. Right? So
0: Yes. <laughs> now, they did not originally start as their own show. Mm-hmm. They originally began on the Tracy Ullman show as a series of little shorts that they would show kind of going to or coming back from commercial. Like a little, little mini quick, just transitional mm-hmm. scenes. Because the, the Tracy Ullman show was kind of a sketch show similar to, you know, like a SNL or Mad TV kind of thing right so the producer of the show james brooks decided he wanted to do have like these little animated sketches and he had seen matt Groening's life in hell comic strip series and he asked him to pitch an idea for a series of animated shorts and he originally was gonna do an animated version of his comic strip and then he kind of got to thinking he didn't want to give up all the publication rights and everything that he had as he's sitting in brooks's office waiting to pitch his idea he comes up with the idea for the simpsons for this dysfunctional family and he used members of his family for the character names and he used bart for him so like instead of having a character named matt he was named bart which is an anagram of the word brat which perfectly sums up
1: that does sum up bart <laughs>
0: so so he just submitted basic sketches to Klasky Cupso to make the cartoon. Well, they didn't really know what they were to do with it. So they basically just kind of retraced his drawings. So if you go back and see some of these sketches, they do look a lot different oh, from yeah. what you know of yeah. now because they were not fully animated and they weren't fully detailed the way they are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that name Klasky Koopso kind of sounds familiar to you, they would be very big in the nineties doing a lot of the work on Nicktoons. So they were the ones mm-hmm. that animated Rugrats and Wild Thornberrys, uh, you know, and some of those shows. Which
1: actually makes sense when you think about the animation style, because those all kind of fit yeah. into a certain category. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Uh, Obviously, they fine-tuned it uh, Mm -hmm. a bit and eventually got spun off into its own show beginning in December of 1989.
1: Which is interesting, too, when you look at the early animations of The Simpsons to now and how much like from the first couple of seasons, the animation style even gets more refined.
0: Yeah. And then eventually when the show started being done in HD, obviously, it's even more detailed. I've got a few fun facts because we're getting low on time, but I got a few fun facts for you. About the Simpsons. Did you know that the original idea behind Krusty the Clown was that he was Homer Simpson in disguise?
1: I always wondered because they look so similar. And then we do have the episode where Homer tries to become Krusty the Clown for clown school.
0: Mm-hmm. And mm. so, like, if you look at them, they are identical. Other than, obviously, Krusty has face paint and he's got the little bit the of tufts blue of hair. hair. Yep. hmm Otherwise, they're the exact same body shape. They've got the same eyes. They've got the same kind of beard.
1: But they just never went with that storyline.
0: They never went with that storyline. so funny. They felt that as they were setting the show up, it just got to be too, it would have been too hard to kind of explain. Mm. But it's interesting because, you know, you have the issues with Bart and his dad, yet he loves Krusty. And so it
1: It would have made a really interesting. See, yeah. yeah.
0: But they never went with it. Do you know how much Maggie Simpson costs?
1: How much Maggie Simpson costs?
0: Yes, so like, on the opening credits, there's oh
1: on the price check when she gets swiped when she gets swiped. <laughs> no, I used to know this, like, but I can't remember the <laughs> the actual price anymore. Eight
0: hundred forty-seven dollars and sixty-three cents.
1: Hmm.
0: Now the significance to that number—that was the average monthly cost to raise a baby in
1: nineteen eighty-nine. <gasps> oh, that's that's a really interesting. Piece that's of a fun me. little that's Easter egg. That's pretty cool. Egg. I like and that.
0: And you get to know at the time when the show's airing, your only chance to figure that out is you have to record this thing on a VHS, which we talked about if you yep. programmed it properly and pause it so you could see it. Of course, now see with it. DVDs and streaming, it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. When Bart pl- uh, Prank calls Most Tavern, mm-hmm. he dials out the number 764 76484377, which is one digit longer than a normal American phone number is because mm-hmm. typically our numbers are well you have an area code but you then have like a seven digit right. phone number yeah. so that, Same that's, here. How, that's how we would dial
1: yeah
0: uh, and so that smells out smithers
1: why did they pick smithers's name
0: i don't know it's interesting so interesting you would think maybe there would have been someone with seven s-i-m-p-s-o-n you would think they would have gone with simpson simpson that huh. would have made more sense anyway whatever uh so Speaking of Krusty the Clown, his of course sidekick in the show early on is Sideshow Bob, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: who was voiced by Kelsey Grammer, Mm -hmm. who was on Frasier. David Hyde Pierce, who plays Niles Crane on Frasier, Mm -hmm. provides the voice for Sideshow Bob's brother Cecil. So, and then their father on Frasier, who's played by John Mahoney, plays Bob and Cecil's dad on The Simpsons.
1: I don't know if I, I if I knew that he pay, played their dad. I knew that the, the they played brothers on both shows.
0: Mm-hmm. And so their dad played their dad on I don't on know both if I recognize
1: their dad. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: And if you ever want to get into Bart Simpson's locker at Springfield Elementary School, 36-24-26 is the locker combination. And that comes from the ACDC, ACDC song Dirty deeds done dirt cheap.
1: Huh. Why'd they pick that song? Just like it it was popular.
0: Well, that and it just it sounds like a good locker combination. So they went with it. All right, Trish. We are almost out of time, but I do believe it is time for your favorite moment. (gasps) Two minute tutor time with Trish. The meter's running. Go.
1: Two Two minute tutor time with Trish. Okay, so April twenty first, fifteen oh nine, we have King Henry uh, the fifth or King Henry the eighth is crowned King of England. <laughs> you had me getting too excited now. What I want to talk about though is not only is King Henry the crowned, but the crown that he is crowned with, the Tudor crown. Was the imperial and state crown used by the monarchs of England and Great Britain from around the time of King Henry VIII up until the English Civil War in 1649? The date of the manufacture is unknown, but King Henry VII and his son, the successor, King Henry VIII, probably commissioned the crown. It's first documented in writing in 1521 in the inventory of King Henry VIII's jewels, naming the crown as the King's Crown of Gold. It was much more elaborate than its medieval predecessor. It originally had two arches, five crosses, a uh, and five fleurs de lis. And it was decorated with emeralds, sapphires, rubies, pearls, diamonds. And at one time, uh, a stone known as the Black Prince's Ruby, which is a large spinal stone. If you're into uh, gemstones, which is kind of like a uh, cubic zirconium type cheap stuff. Uh, it really, it's not really worth a whole lot, but it looks really pretty. So at the time in medieval, middle ages, I guess Tudor Renaissance time, they're they're thinking it's worth something much more. But in, in the center, it had petals uh, in, in the center petals of the fleur-de-lis were gold and enamel figurines of the Virgin Mary, St. George, and three images of Christ. But then when Henry VIII is, you know, trying to become the head of the English church, he removes the figures of Christ and he replaces them with uh, three kings of England. So St. Edmund, St. Edward the Confessor, and Henry the Sixth, who at that time was venerated as a saint. So there's, that's his crown. There you go. Yeah.
0: And one last thing because we uh, are way over the 2 minutes allotted for tutor time with Dave. <laughs> I
1: tried but to go so fast but I can't. April 21st,
0: 1934. This ties back into something we did uh, on a previous episode. Uh-huh. The famous photo allegedly showing the Loch Ness monster was published.
1: <gasps> That's right. In the Daily Mail. That is true.
0: And if you want to know about that, go back to the archives and listen to that episode. But we are out of time, and if you didn't make it to the end of this episode, then I hope one day if you get put on a crown, that somebody takes you off and replaces you with a giant turd emoji.
1: How awful. But you did make it to the end of the episode.
0: Yes. So you get an extra stone on your crown. A real one, not a cubic zirconia one.
1: Yeah. Like a really pretty opal. You're very iridescent.
0: Yes. Sparkly and shiny.
1: (laughs) But that is the end, I guess. If you do have any questions, concerns, queries, or freakouts, you can contact us on our Instagram page at the time machine with Trish and Mike, uh, the time machine at Trish and Mike at gmail.com. If you Google the time machine with Trish and Mike on YouTube, you'll also find us.
0: And... Oh,
1: and at Anchor, if you want to leave us a, a voicemail. Yes. We can include you in the show.
0: Everything that she just said. And more throw us in a google machine you'll find us somewhere
1: yeah you'll find us somewhere the name's pretty long and unforgettable
0: yeah tell a friend (laughs) and tell them to tell a friend and we'll tell you more fun stuff next week right here on the time machine